Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If you and I listen to the enemy when we're having division in our home, and we go to bed with division. Well, let me just ask you a very simple question. Who are you sleeping with tonight? Would you really like to sleep with the devil all night long? You see, when we don't resolve issues, the devil gets a foothold. And pretty soon it gets bigger. And pretty soon our pride gets stronger. And something that was very small becomes very big. God wants you to have unity in every area of your life, in your relationships, at church, and especially at home. Have you ever gone to bed angry at your spouse? Things didn't get better the next day, did they? The Bible is specific about how to deal with conflict. Pastor Mark is sharing the words of the Apostle Paul regarding the personal conflicts that inevitably arise. Covering over or letting these issues fester will only result in creating a doorway for the devil to come in and do what he does best, steal, kill, and destroy the unit that God has put together for his glory. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 4 with his continuing study called Stand United for the Sake of the Gospel. Well, the second most important relationship in our lives is marriage. God designed marriage as the building block of society. Satan hates it. So, all the principles I gave you of solving personal relationships in the church or individually with ourselves, they all apply to marriage. But there's all kinds of unrealistic expectations. This couple got married. Remember what they said here? Well, there was problems in the relationship. Hello? You're going to get married with no problems? And next, well, he wasn't really what I was expecting. What are you expecting? Let me give you this morning, for those of you that are married and those of you who are thinking of getting married, listen to these. These are unrealistic expectations of marriage. My spouse will be everything I ever dreamed a spouse should be. Here's a big one. Being a Christian eliminates all marriage problems. I like this one. I can't hardly say it. I can change my spouse. I wrote this at the end, or die trying. For those of you that are clueless, this one's for you. Men and women are basically the same. You try that one, baby, it ain't going to work. I want to give you one that isn't funny. It's unrealistic. My spouse will meet all my needs. No person can meet all my needs. Only God can meet all my needs. 
See, if you go in with that, if you go in with unrealistic expectation, there's not going to be much good happening in your marriage. There's going to be more conflict. All kinds of things come. But there is hope for all of us. Now, as I said today, as of yesterday, Linda and I have been married 45 years. And I want to give you a guaranteed success for every marriage. So listen up. Listen to the story. Men, this one's for you especially. Guaranteed success in your marriage. After 45 years, here's what I've learned. Get ready. During a group counseling session, husbands were separated from their wives who were told to stand in one of two lines. The husbands who had been dominated by their wives were to stand in the line on the left. The husbands themselves who dominated their wives were to stand in the the line on the right. Every husband but one was in the left. One lonely man was standing over here on the right. And the counselor said to the man, why are you standing on the right? And the man responded, I have no idea. My wife just told me to stand here. (laughs) So, so... So men, here's my solution. Successful marriage, just do what your wife always says. How many of your wives like that right now? Yeah, I knew it. Scratch that sucker out out of the tape. That ain't going to work. But there is, there is a key to a successful marriage. And you see it right here in Psalm 127. Look at it. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Now, I'm going to ask for a couple to come, and they're going to get in this bag. And we're going to show you what that looks like as they come. Let me just talk to you a little bit about marriage. What does that verse mean, unless the Lord build the house? See, God designed marriage. Our world does marriage, even when it does marriage, without God. We've, we've cheapened what God wants to do. People think they can do marriage fine without God, but it's impossible without God. Now, when you begin to look at this couple, by the way, I'm going to be marrying them in January, so they're not married yet, so I'm just trying to give them some clues this morning, is what I'm going to do. Let me ask you a question. How many people are in this marriage? There's not two. Because they're Christians. There's how many? Three. Who's the third one? God. Who's the head of the marriage? (laughs) That'll be hard. It's going to be hard for them. Because it's hard for us. And God's going to speak into them truth. Both of them. Now, will they have a perfect marriage? Yes, because I'm marrying them. Yeah, just talk to my wife about that one. You'll know better. No, they will not. That's an unrealistic expectation. But notice, they're going to do life. He will just hop for a couple steps. They're going to do life going what? The same direction. With the same purpose. They're going to be following God. Now, this is a Sela moment. If you're married this morning, let me ask you. Is that the way your marriage looks? Let's look at them. Cameras, let's look at them. Is that the way your marriage looks? Are you headed together? See, some of you look like this in church. But it's hell in the home. You're divided. You're going the other way. There's no love. Well, you're a Christian. You're not going to get divorced. Of course, that's changed dramatically today. I'm talking about my wife's card. Remember my wife's card? Remember the statement in the card? Year after year, 
the adventure continues. The guys are smiling. There's a joy. Is that you today? Or is it hell in the home? That's not what God wants. See, next we'll learn about joy. Joy comes from following the head. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Thanks so much, guys. Give him a hand, would you? Beautiful. Now, what you saw there is we don't do life alone. We don't do marriage alone. The principle I just showed you about a threesome is on this verse. Take a look at Amos right here. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Obviously, the answer is what? No. They can't be going in different directions and expect to have some kind of a common purpose. So if you're married this morning, here's the key you want to write. You have to live with a unity of purpose. And what is that unity of purpose? That unity of purpose is simply to make God look good. It's not about making you look good. It's about making God look good. And to do that, I want to bring glory to God. I want to exalt him. And I want the world to say, wow, these guys love God. You see, in you and me, there's amazing, well, there's an amazing struggle. I boss, I change you, I selfish. Now, I want you to turn to Ephesians four twenty six. And I want you to see this quickly and understand how so practical God is in his instructions to all of us. This does apply to a marriage, but it applies to all of our relationships. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Well, Pastor Mark, why? And do not give the devil a foothold. When there's a struggle, a fight, what's God saying? Settle the issue before you go to bed. You may not be able to get it all resolved, but just settle the issue and say, well, tomorrow morning, we agree to disagree right now, but tomorrow we'll get it settled. The devil is saying this. Don't you dare take a first move. You let him, you let her do it. You didn't cause this. Don't you do a thing with it. Now, why would I listen to the devil? Because I'm prideful. I'm not going to swallow my pride. No way. She caused it. She'll have to answer for it. So then we go the next day. And you get up in the morning. It's better, isn't it? It's worse. And pretty soon, you'll be there if you've been married. Two or three days, no talking in the house. The dog talks. You don't even talk. (laughs) And what is it? It's horrible. It's horrible. So as you begin to understand what he's trying to say, the scripture is simply easy. And I want to ask you a question right now. If you and I listen to the enemy when we're having division in our home, and we go to bed with division, well, let me just ask you a very simple question. Who are you sleeping with tonight? Would you really like to sleep with the devil all night long? You see, when we don't resolve issues, the devil gets a foothold. And pretty soon it gets bigger. And pretty soon our pride gets stronger. And something that was very small becomes very big. Because pretty soon my heart gets hard. And God hates that. Here's one of the real reasons. 
When you and I get married, a married couple is a picture of God's relationship with his people. We're supposed to be unified. Marriage is a picture of how God treats us. His forgiveness, his kindness, his gentleness. We're, as couples, a picture to the world of what God's like in our life. Now, why is that important? In Acts chapter 16, this is just before Paul started the church many years ago. They went into the town of Philippi. They were beaten. They got thrown in jail, Paul and Silas. They were beaten. And notice what it says. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. How in the world can you be singing to your God when you've just been beaten? What kind of people are you? The principle you need to understand is the next statement you want to write. People are watching our lives. We need to make God look good. Now, people are watching us at work. They're watching our lives at church. They're looking at our marriages. And they're trying to see how we do life. They're listening to our words. See, we have to do marriage right. Let me just challenge you this morning. Christ followers, we must do marriage right. Not perfect. There's no perfect. But we have to do it right. Otherwise, the world is going to look at us and say this. Well, God makes no difference in your marriage. Why in the world would I want him in my life? You see, if our life, our marriage looks miserable... Well, why would they want it? If people walk into our churches and you're angry here and you're angry here and there's a smell of division and death, why in the world would they want to be here? But there is not a spirit of division here. It's because we know how to listen to God. People are watching your life. They're watching my life. they, They know we're not going to be perfect. That's crazy. They know that. But they are watching to see how we handle division. When somebody else gets the promotion and you don't, how are you going to handle it? You're going to be the gossip? You're going to be the bitter person? You're going to go behind the ring? And they're going to look at that and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, thank you very much. Witness all, thanks for all the cards. I'm not going near you. Understand the power that we have as Christians. Now go back to Philippians 4.3. I'm going to make one comment and we're going to be closing. Bottom line to all of this, Paul writes the letter because he knows this. If these two ladies don't come to the solution, some kind of resolution in the church, it's going to keep the church being very ineffective. If you and I in our marriages are always divisive and fussing at each other, if you're always allowing Satan to condemn you, well, you remember what you did back there as a kid? You lost your virginity way back there and you did this and you had an affair over here and you did this and you, you cheated that person. If you always live in that after God's forgiven you, you'll be useless for God. And Paul knew that there was a battle on for one thing, the sake of the gospel See, if all of our problems never get resolved, then we're always focusing on us and the church and me and whatever and our home and the world just literally goes to hell. 
because we're not out there. That's exactly what Satan wants. So look what he says. He says, yes, and I ask you, elder, help these women who have contended or fought at my side for the cause of the gospel. Along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. And then he says this, whose names are in the book of life. Paul knew that broken relationships in the believer would not make God look good. Even more than that, Paul knew that the key of these broken relationships was this. Please write it down. Write this down and understand the key today. Ultimately, unresolved conflicts hinder the spreading of the good news. You and I are here to be salt and light. While we're at division, that goes on hold. We just sideline that. We just set that on the side. We're not interested in it now because I'm focused on the hurt that happened to me. Satan knows how to sideline the believer. He gets us living with hurts, refusing to forgive, choosing sides, thinking about ourselves. And what do we forget? The whole reason we're here to make God look with the Great Commission. That's why Paul in the Bible commands us to do everything we can do to live in unity. Everything we can do. Look at this verse. Romans 14, 19. Therefore, let us make every effort to do what leads to the peace and to the building up of one another. That's a command. Do whatever you can to get it resolved. In yourself, quit thinking about that which God's forgiven you. In your marriage, come on, get together. In the church, if you have a relationship problem with somebody here, fix it. At work, get it fixed. Because when we're fussing with all those things, we're not thinking about eternity. Now, I want you to turn to one more verse, and this is what we end with. John 13. John 13. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. When Jesus left the earth, he gave a command. The greatest commandment is to love our God with all our heart, mind, soul. But then he gave us this command with a little addendum to it. Right there in John 13, verse 34 and 35. I love the addendum. Watch what he says. A new command I give you, verse 34, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. Well, why, Pastor Mark? Here it is. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. If you love one another. When the world sees imperfect Christ followers, imperfect marriages, imperfect churches, imperfect people in healthy, loving relationship, the world sits up and takes notice. How can that be? I know you guys don't agree in your marriage. I know the church has all these. How, how can you be loving and healthy? When unbelievers see that we love one another, that we live in forgiveness, that we're humble and we're not prideful, and we build each other up instead of tearing one another down, that's proof that Jesus Christ lives in our heart. That's powerful. That's amazingly powerful. And Satan wants you and I to be divided Individually, homes, relationships, church, because then it's all about me. And I want to say to you this morning, thank you, because you're loving one another. Thank you that you have marriages that, well, they're far from perfect. But you're together 
headed toward the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you have an issue. Get it solved. For your sake and for the sake of the gospel. We have to be salt and light. The world's plumbing to the hell and we can't be part of the problem. Guys, we are the solution. Allow the power of God to cause you to think of that goat going over the desert to see it no more. Quit allowing the enemy to bring that DVD in and play it again in your mind. Cut it out. Allow the power of forgiveness to free you this morning. Only God can do that. That's where we want to live. And I want to say to you this morning, I'm proud of you. Do you know the world when they drive by and they see all this traffic? They wonder, like, what are they giving away there? (laughs) You know what we're giving away? Just what was given us, the love of God. And the forgiveness of God. This is a place. This is a place where you're loved. And I love you. And I thank you for keeping the main thing. The main thing. It's interesting in that verse, and I close with this. Paul says, and by the way, all these people I'm talking to, the ones that are fussing and all, he says, their names are in the book of life. There's nothing more important than having your name in the book of life. You say, Pastor Mark, what is a book of life? Well, after you die, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that God's going to open a book. And he's going to ask you if your name is there. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ, if you ask forgiveness for your sins, your name will be there. And he'll just say, enter in to the glory of the Lord. Well, Pastor Mark, how do I get my name there? Well, by coming to church regular. I'm waiting. Uh, No, no. You get there by asking God to forgive you of your sins. He will. He'll forget them as well. And then you begin walking with him as your head. Now, let me remind you of one thing. The most important thing you can do for yourself and your family is for your family and you to know that your name is in the book of life. See, if your name's not in the book of life, you're going to send eternity in hell. Separated from God forever. Pastor Mark, I don't believe in it. Ten seconds after you're there, you'll believe in it. It's too late. You know, Steve Jobs, we talked about him. He did some amazing things. He changed our whole world. But you know, we don't know. We don't know if his name was in the book of life. I just tugged a mother this morning. A wife. Whose husband, mid-40s, just went to be with the Lord today. She's here in the service. Funeral would be coming. You know what's great about doing that funeral? Even though there's tears like crazy for all of us. You know what's great? We know his name is in the book of life and he's with the Lord right now. You can't put a price on that. Now, is that, that's great for him, but it's fantastic for the family. Because that's hope we're going to see him again. If you're not right with God, get right with God. Today, Pastor Mark taught about your need to make God look good and how to do that. He told the story of Paul and Silas and how God used their jail situation to begin the church in Philippi. He talked about how you're making things right with your spouse and others. will show those around you God's ability to fix any problem, which may give them hope in God's power to change their lives as well. 
you don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Well, that completes the teaching, Stand United for the Sake of the Gospel. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin the teaching, Rejoice in One Thing. You will learn the difference between biblical joy and happiness. You'll hear how the Apostle Paul's joy and how he was able to achieve that, even though he was in terrible personal situations and circumstances. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.